Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast with your host Jason. It's been a couple of weeks, plenty going off in Derby County. The topsy-turvy season has continued to be topsy-turvy. And to talk all about that and to preview the upcoming game against Portsmouth, we've got podcast regular Jack Bryan. Jack, how are we doing, mate? Hello, I'm I'm good. Glad to be back. Yeah, no, good to have you back, mate. And returning guest, and he he is part of the furniture most of the time, Christopher Holt. Chris, how are we doing, mate? Good evening, Jason. Good evening, Jack. I'm very well, thank you, guys. Good. Well, obviously, the last podcast uh, we did, Chris, you was on it with, with with Mr. Smith, and we were talking about those two crucial trips down to that southwest end of the country. Um, I'm going to gloss over them because obviously they were like two weeks ago, so you know nobody nobody needs to know a, a breakdown of exactly everything. But um, we went down there. We were sort of in high spirits on the last podcast. I would have thought we we said that we assumed Derby would have to take a if they wanted to continue their trajectory back into the playoffs, they would have to take a minimum of four. They got a minimum of four. Should have been six, Jack. Um but at the end of the day, it was four points and as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, results with other teams in and around the playoffs means that if Derby had managed to hang on at Bristol Rovers for that crazy last two minutes and, and penalty shouts and all that kind of thing. Derby would be, well, they'd be home and hose, wouldn't they, in the playoffs almost, but obviously still in there, but with everything to play for. But just gloss over those two games, Jack. They were always going to be two very difficult trips for Derby. Um, and coming out of them with four points and, you know, both both unbeaten, I, I think that was a, it was a, it was a key moment in, in those two games, key times, should I say, uh, to, to get out of those two games with four points. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you look back to the Bristol Rovers game, obviously early goal, and then they did well to hang on as they did, and then you know if the late late penalty came, they scored it. They left Paul Warren incandescent with rage. That's what he said on the radio afterwards. That's it was the first time in his career that he'd really felt cheated. But um, then they bounced back, went to Exeter, and um, it was a poor first half. But second half, they came out the block. David McGoldrick did what David McGoldrick does, which is score great goals. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's been key, you know, to get four points there, we're now, what, five unbeaten? Yeah, I can count. Um, and going into this weekend, there, there'll be a, after the Burton game, there'll be a two points inside the playoffs. As you say, if they'd have won at Bristol Rovers, it would be match Peterborough's result this weekend and be home and dry. As it stands, unless Peter, unless, um, Derby better Peterborough's result, so you know Derby winning Peterborough draw or lose, then it's going to go down to the final day. But um, you know it's a decent position to be in considering where we were a couple of weeks back. Yeah, no, I, I would agree, Chris. I know we spoke as I say on the last podcast. We spoke about it. It was you know it was it was almost stand up and be counted time. If Derby didn't go down there and and get those two results. Um, then you know, obviously they were they were staring down the barrel of an, of another season in League One, which we know still could happen. But we, we live to fight another day. Um, 
the two games for me, I mean, uh, strange old games. Um, I mean, the Bristol Rovers one, I thought we started really well, obviously got in front, and then we were absolutely awful for 70 minutes. They absolutely battered us. And so, to be fair, coming out of that, it, it, it would have been daylight robbery if we'd have won that game. There's no doubt about it. I know as Derby fans and obviously on the Derby podcast, we're not really bothered about that kind of thing. But if, if you if you look at the, the lay of the game, Bristol Rovers have were you know, have, have got a massive argument to say that they deserve something out of the game, even though the penalty is still a little bit up in the air. I have to say I watched it. I thought as soon as I, the ball came in, I saw the the exchange at the back post and I knew that the referee was going to point at the spot. I just knew he was. Um I've not I've still personally not seen anything about that uh, that that makes me think otherwise, if I'm honest. Um, as Jack mentioned there, Paul Warren was adamant that it wasn't a penalty. Jerry Barton was adamant that it was. I know that there'd been a bit of a conversation about it between the two. I've still not really seen anything. It's 50-50 at best. Um, and it, it's a saying that we say so regular in football. You do something like that, you give the you give the referee make a, to make a decision. And, you know, we've had a few this season. I know we're going to go on to it a little bit later on with the, with the, what, the contentious penalty potentially that we got against Burton on Saturday. Some of them you get, some of them you don't. I think it wrangles more that it was in the 94th minute. And obviously it was a game that we really, really, really wanted to win. And I think when we have to, we, we look at it, I know it doesn't matter, but uh, performances don't matter really at this point in the season. I suppose it's all about the points in Derby's predicament. But it Derby coming away from the Memorial Park, I think it's called that, um, with three points would have been absolute robbery, wouldn't it? Total robbery. Um, was it or not a penalty? I, I don't really want to get into the, the debate because I think if you ask 100 people, you're going to get 51-49 with or you know, fifty-one forty-nine against. I think it takes a brave referee and a confident referee to give it in the ninetieth, whatever minute it was. Um, he had to make a decision. He had to clearly say no, it wasn't, or clearly say yes, it was. He clearly said straight away, yes, it was. I think Derby got their just rewards from it. I think you're quite right. We didn't deserve three points. And what I, what I, when I look back at the two games. I think the preparation for the second game was far better than the first. And I don't know if we um, learnt lessons from the first game that allowed us to win the second, or whether the fact that we just discussed on the previous pod that Exeter will give it everything against their local rivals um, and then came into Derby's second game um, a shadow of what they're normally like. But either way, we said, Jason, four points, we'll, we'll take it and it keeps us fighting. And, you know, we'll go on to it. But lo and behold, as predicted, this league is a crazy league and results are just baffling us every week. Yeah, I mean, the four, you're right. We will touch on it in a little bit, but it's worth mentioning it now. Those four points now look fantastic with the results. I mean, it, you know, if every team around us would have, have won, then, you know, we, we'd, you'd be kicking yourself a little bit more because of the Bristol City one, uh, Bristol Rovers one. But yeah, I, I think it's one of those where, certainly like you say, the penalty, it's it's almost one of them that you get given at home uh, and, and never away. It's, it's that kind, it's, it was that kind of penalty. Um, and then you, I, I must admit, the, the first half of Exeter, 
Um, I, I missed the first half. I was I'd, I'd worked late and I was getting some food, and I managed to get back and get logged on to Rams TV for the second half. And obviously, as as a season ticket holder, I'm in WhatsApp groups and things like that with with uh, the lads who I go to football with, and they were all saying, you know, what the f is is going on in this first half. Apparently, Derby were awful, but obviously, I didn't see it. All I saw was the second half. And that was a second half performance from for for me personally for, for for an away performance that Derby Derby deserved the three points from based on that forty five that I saw Derby Derby deserved it. Um, Jack obviously again Derby like to make things hard. Um, we we get ourselves that first goal which we've done in a few games recently. You know we we don't seem to have a trouble really scoring at the minute. It's it's getting that second sometimes. Um, and we finally managed to get that second goal. Um, obviously, the first one is absolute magic from McGoldrick. Not the first time he's done that from a free kick this season. Um, and Derby managed to grab that second. And within, what, minutes, we, we give away a, a pretty pretty soft goal for me. I think Wildsmith doesn't yeah. necessarily cover himself in glory, which I know is not, you know, it's it's probably one of the first times we've said that this year. So, you know, we're, we're not going to go in too hard on that. But in a game where basically we, we went into that Exeter game after the result on Saturday, knowing that we'd, we'd, we'd got to win it, really, if we wanted any hopes of playoffs. We'd put in a bit of a mediocre first-half performance. You managed to get yourself 2-0 in front in that second half. And then... It is a it's a slight disappointment, isn't it? That you know, Derby made that final what was it, fifteen twenty minutes of the Exeter game a lot more difficult than it needed to be. It is. I mean, yeah. Thank goodness we did get that second goal. Is was my you know my feeling coming away from that because so many times we have just thrown it away. The other thing, but you know, they did. They made it a lot more difficult than it needed to be. Those closing minutes. Um, you know, the, the defence did well, you know, just clearing it and clearing it from what from what I remember, uh, what what I saw and what I've written here. Um, you know, and I will just, you know, Curtis Davis and Craig Forsyth going into that game, they started that one. They got a lot of stick on Twitter going into that. And then they came away, rightly, with a fair, a fair amount of praise for how they handled those last few minutes when they were protecting the one-goal lead. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing to mention with Joe Wildsmith is, of course, that save after about 15 minutes in first half. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I saw someone comparing it to Gordon Banks, and you know, not it's not too far off, I guess. But yeah, really good save, and yeah, I mean, goalkeepers, goalkeepers are going to make mistakes. Joe Wildsmith, it's one of the few times he has all season, and you know what, we won anyway, so we're all right in the end but but yeah it was a poor first half really I mean was it just good game management to do it this way around and have a poor first half and come into it in the second rather than kind of have a good first half and then just be hanging on for a while perhaps I mean it's a you know it's a refreshing change in that sense because normally it's decent first half get your hopes up second half of disappointment whereas the bar was quite low then we actually did quite well so hmm. No, I think uh, better that way. Yeah, no. Uh, to be honest, it was it's a it's a talking point I wanted to come on to uh, in in a little bit more detail a little bit later on because yeah, um, it do, We've said it before on the podcast, all of us, that teams seem to find Derby out. They know that you know 
you can almost have the ball. As long as Derby don't get two goals in the first half, most teams look at that second half and think they're there for the taking. So, yeah, you're right. For for us to be able to do it um, the, the opposite way round is always nice. Um, and, yeah, one of the other points from that, and I want to, again, mention it briefly, but dive all on it a little bit later, is was Curtis Davis coming coming back into the side sort of out of the cold a little bit? Um, and... I I don't like to to say n- too many negative things about Curtis Davis because of everything that he's done at, at Derby over what the last seven or eight years, and I think it's all fair to say, you know we don't need to sit here and criticise some of his performances this season because you I think it's fair to say you can see he's he's not at the same level that he was last year. I'm going to put it that way, yeah. and, and that is be as kind as as I can be. Um, but yeah, he, he he's come back in and. Made made a made a difference, and I think he is almost again now a, a key component of of the final of the final couple of games. But again, that's something I want to go on to in a little bit more more detail later on. But just to carry on from Jack's point, Chris, that extra game, like you said, Wildsmith means it. I, I did see the highlights, so I just didn't watch the whole first half. That is that is a wonderful save, and that's what at the end of the day, that's what goalkeepers are there to do. So as I say, not going to criticise. Exeter's goal too much. It's just one of those he's he's made. He's pulled us out of the mire a lot more this season than he's, he's made mistakes, and that's not something that we've probably been able to say about a goalkeeper for for a few years. Um, but obviously, we touched on it on the last pod about obviously other teams and and they're playing each other, and there's they, they were going to throw up some some strange results, and we've seen him. Uh, we, we've seen him over the last couple of weeks. Peterborough seem to have fallen away. Bolton seem to have fallen off a cliff. Obviously lost again last night, which is which is a massive. It drags them right back in in for Derby to to chase down. Um, and obviously we were then hoping for those minimum four to then look towards those those two home games. Um, obviously one we've had Burton. I mean, as a as a football spectacle, I won't say it was amazing, um, but it, you're at that you're at that stage of the season. Why, for momentum purposes, you want to be you want to obviously you want to be flying. Of course, you do. You want to be at this point in the season flying. But at the moment, Derby are, are edging the way through games. As Jack mentioned, five games unbeaten now. That's kind of crept up upon me. I, I must admit, I don't know if a lot of Derby fans are the same. Uh, it's kind of crept up that that's the case. Um, and other, t- take away the top three and take away Barnsley, but in, in that little pack that we're in, we are, we're the form team out of those three um, without really being fantastic at the moment. And obviously Saturday, it was always going to be a tricky game. I always thought it was going to be a tricky game. You know, these fans that say, you know, obviously the crowd was great and the the, the banter between the fans, it's always oh, little old Burton. But you've only got to look at Burton's last five or six results to know that they weren't just going to turn up at Pride Park on, on Saturday and, and expect to be, you know, Derby were just going to roll them over. It was never going to be the case. Um, another game where at home, obviously, I think that's the first win in like four or five, isn't it? At home? We've, we've had a bit of a, we've had a bit of a blip at home created plenty again on Saturday ultimately can only put one away from the penalty spot um that is a contentious penalty 
some would say. Obviously, I know uh, Dino Marmaria wasn't very happy about it, was he, Burton manager? But for me, I, this isn't just because I've got a Derby hat on. I think, I think that's a, that that to me is a penalty. That is to me is a penalty, and oh, I, the relief around Pride Park when that went in. It w- was massive because it was obviously everybody, as they do, we, we knew the results that we picked up. We could see the results that were going on. We could see that if Derby won, that would put them back in the you know back in the driving seat, sort of for that sixth place. Um, just the utter relief for me, Chris, personally, and as I say, I felt it around Pride Park. But and I, I know it was something that. Oh, I, I've listened to a couple of podcasts just recently of the Derby ones. I've been been kind of catching up with them over the weekend, and I don't so I don't know who said this, but the one thing that I really liked uh, when you watch the highlights is David McGoldrick absolutely focuses on the goalkeeper all the way, and he's looking to his right hand side, and that's why the keeper goes that way, and he just runs up and strokes it in the complete opposite direction. And again, David McGoldrick, somebody I, we want to talk a little bit more about a little bit later on as a talking point, but from a game on Saturday that, again, Derby had to win. If if they wanted to continue, Derby had to win. They did win. They, I, I'd say it was a probably a 7 out of 10 kind of a performance. But at the end of the day, the three points is what matters, Chris. And obviously, going on to a game we'll review in a little bit later, the ball's back in our court. We've got two games. We've probably what got to win one of one out of the two you would presume and no better chance than obviously on on Saturday and and try and get it done and dusted before that uh, that trip to Hillsborough because they're as we've seen over the, the last couple of weeks they're they're struggling as well and uh, yeah I we mentioned it on the last pod I don't want to have to go to Hillsborough and, and get something out of that game because I think that's going to make things a hell of a lot more difficult but I say there's a few few bits to pick up on there, Chris. But Bert, Burton in general, um, it, it was just job done, wasn't it? I think that that's the best way to describe it. Doesn't matter how it happened, Dobby needed to win that game. It was job done, and you move on to the next one. I, I said to Ed Dawes last night, I had the pleasure of going into the studio and doing a a show with him, uh, and I said that the one team that I would love Peterborough to play this Saturday is Burton. Because if you look at their last six results, they've beat Barnsley. They nearly got away with a win at Charlton and played Charlton off the park. Um, they beat Sheffield Wednesday. They drew with Bolton. They gave us a hell of a game. And I thought that the shot that hit the post from Carriol was a big shot in the arm for Derby, as the say was that Joe Wildsmith did at Exeter. Funny enough, around the same time in the first half. Um and obviously, they, they secured their own safety last night by doing a, a fantastic result away at Lincoln. So, got to say for all the Burton fans that listen, congratulations, you've got a fantastic team there. And I certainly, they play Plymouth this Saturday. So, I think they may have a say in uh, where the title goes. But digressing, back onto Derby. Um, look, I think one thing it showed more than anything, uh, Ajax is right, our form is back and... We spoke about Wickham and Portsmouth still being in the mix uh, a week or so ago. They're no longer in the mix. They're both out of it. So Peterborough are hanging in there by the skin of their teeth with some um, erratic results and and Bolton are are self-imploding. 
what Derby did on Saturday is they gave a performance which we will need touch wood if we get there in the playoffs away and that is a 1-0 gritty performance because that's the first time I've seen this season in my opinion Derby County actually work to a win not play for a win but actually work their socks off for a win and that made me very happy the fact that we came out of that result deserving the win because of the effort that we put into the game teams are always going to get chances against Derby it's the way we play we know that um, if we get caught on the counter-attack we're always in danger of, of conceding but I just thought from the back straight through to the front their work-like ethic was for all to see and and it gave me a lot of confidence guys going into uh, these last two games that uh, I w- do you know what Jason do you know what Jack I'll take five more of those performances all day long I'll take five one nil gritty 45% possession performances all day long oh god yeah uh, no absolutely absolutely um but yeah no you were right good dig into the Burton game in a little bit more detail um obviously I was at the I was behind the south stand for that for that chance from Burton and until you actually watch the replay you don't realize how much of a probably how much of a chance it was um Curtis Davis sort of waves a leg at it, which is, you know, you'd, you'd expect, you do expect a little bit better from him. Um, but that is an absolute cutting edge chance. And you absolutely would, would after what, what was it? 10, 15 minutes? Absolute 15, turns. Yeah. yeah t- turns the, turns the game on its head, doesn't it? And like you say, Chris, I think you're right. From that on, Derby knocked on the door. There was chances. Um, it didn't, for me personally, didn't look like McGoldrick had quite got his shooting boots on on Saturday, um, but obviously, as I say, as the absolute steel and metal to put that penalty away in the way that he did, which is you know a huge, a huge moment and could be a huge moment in Derby's season. It's like twenty six now, is it for for the season or whatever it may well be? So you know, great, great that he managed to to stroke that away. But I thought. I, the point you make, Chris, like I say, the, the hard working. There, there was a few members of that Derby squad that I thought had pretty solid games on on Saturday and and worked hard. Uh, Horahan worked hard. I thought Mendes Lang worked particularly hard. Um, you know, there's a there's a couple of players that weren't in the eleven on Saturday that have been regular members. Corey Smith was was one of them who who wasn't involved. Thought, you know, obviously Max Bird to to win the penalty at the end of the day, if he, if he isn't alert to that, you you don't get that penalty. So, you know, you've, you've got to give for that. I thought Sibley worked hard down the left. Um, and, and just, just, yeah, the, the hard working performance. And we all want Derby to play magnificent football, winning three, four nil every week, but it's, it doesn't matter what division you're at and it doesn't matter who you are and what division you're at, probably unless you're Man City, really. Um, you don't play that type of football. You you just don't. It's it's not the way. It's just not the way that it goes. Um, and as you say, Chris, I think that's that's kudos in a way to the way that Burton played. Thought their goalkeeper made three, four, five, maybe smart saves. I, I wouldn't call any of them world class, but I, I'd say that they, they were they were smart saves. Um, I know McGoldrick had one in the second half. That was. It, I, I thought as soon as it left his boot, it was it was one of them that you thought he, he scored so many times this year, it was going to creep into that bottom corner, and, and, and the keeper manages to manages to keep it out. And 
I think for me, and Jack, I want your opinion on this, sat in that staff stand in what the 68th minute or whatever it was, the penalty, the, 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 the willingness from the fans was there to try and get Derby over the line. But that penalty comes at such a good uh, a penalty. Anytime is a good time, but it, it comes at such a good time because frustration at some point in that game was going to would have started to creep in with, with the magnitude of the game. Um, Derby looked like you know they'd got a lot of off and puff about them, but didn't look like they were going to blow the door down. And in the end, the penalties what brings the three points home um it it was we go back to the Milton Keynes one where for that obviously after they scored for that final 15 minutes we absolutely battered the back you know the, the on the door but we couldn't get the ball over the line yeah. it felt that way to me on Saturday that that was the way that the game was going um so the penalty in in, in the time that it came was was absolutely great and I'm so glad we won a lot when Tom Barkhausen got through, and what a ball by Corey Smith, by the way, probably one of the passes of the season. And for Barclays to be bearing down on goal and then miss it, I mean, I'm glad it wasn't nil-nil at that point. The tone would be completely different, wouldn't it? We'd just be, we'd be seething. But yeah, the penalty was at a key, key moment because, yeah, it, the ball just wasn't going in. And part of that was Derby and poor finishing. A lot of that was also Craig McGillivray, who... I mean that was yeah, that was the version of him that I had five years ago on Football Manager when I won the Euros for Scotland. That's what that was. No, you know, it's you know, he just he had the a game of his career or the game of but he's I say that, but he's had a really good second half of the year for this Burton team who have done so so well, as Chris said, you know, Dino Maria has had, you know, done one heck of a job if you look at where they were when he took over. So it was always going to be difficult. And I think, yeah, the penalty was just that little bit of help that Derby needed to get them over the line. Can't get managers that come in jumpers and Italian shoes and comes onto the pitches. I mean, I mean that, that's not for me, I'm afraid. I mean, fair, like you say, absolutely fair play to him for what he's done at Burton this second half of the season. And, Obviously, we're not a Burton podcast, but you would think the future looks bright with, with him in charge at Burton after a bit of a shaky last 12, 18 months. But now anybody uh, anybody who dresses out of the Italian catalogue like that and comes to a football match, I'm I'm not interested in I'm really not. Um, got a couple of other points I want to touch on, I'd say in a bit more detail from from the Burton game was, I say Curtis, well, uh, that and the extra, obviously Curtis Davis coming back into, back into the fold and, a shift in formation, Chris, and one that I think we mentioned, well, I've certainly had conversations with, certainly off-pod with people, where I think we had it last time on the pod, where obviously Paul Wong came in, tried the three-five-two. It was pretty plain to see from the majority of fans that we don't have the team to play that. He eventually changed it. We go on this amazing unbeaten run of 17, 18 games. The back end falls out of it. He tries to keep it going. We it just wasn't working for us. A couple, of, we th- I think we're fair in saying a few teams kind of found Derby out a little bit. A good thing from the management is that they've tried to react to that and not just sort of hoped that things would improve. They've tried to adapt certain things. We ended up going back to that three five two for a couple of games, and 
I don't think we look comfortable. And then obviously we made we've made the switch to a three four three sort of thing with two tens sitting, which we've seen in the last couple of games, which allows Mendes Lang to push up, which puts Lewis Sibley back into a position that we know he can play. For me, um it it's almost crazy to talk about a change in a, a shift in formation and a shift in style for three, four games go in the end of the season when you when you're chasing the playoffs. But as I, I, only time will tell. But as as Paul Warren stumbled a, a, upon something in these in these last couple of games that actually might might just be that diamond in the rough that he needed to get this team over the line into the playoffs. Because I, I was talking after the Burton game on Saturday with a few of my mates. I don't care how we get there. If we get there I've just, there's just an, 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 the experience that the team's got, the knack that the, the coaching team brings. I think Derby, whilst we'll go into the playoffs as underdogs, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I've just, I don't want to, I don't want to be silly here and say something on the podcast that's going to come back and bite me, but I've just got a feeling that Derby have, have probably the, been better equipped out of them all in the playoffs to actually achieve something. Um, and I don't know if that's just because obviously I've got the Derby County fan head on and I'm, I'm talking with my heart rather than my head. There's just something about it that makes me think if we can just get there, we've got all the tools that we need. And on a three-game shootout, is which, which technically what it will be, um, Derby are probably the best equipped to do that. Uh, well, on your last point there, I think of all the, the teams that come third and fourth, they'd rather play Bolton than Derby, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, with what you said, the experience. With my coach's hat on, I think what he's done is he's nullified uh, teams playing wide against us. I think Jason Knight, this last month or so, has looked a little bit lost. I think he, he sort of has been... They say he's versatile, but he's only versatile to a point. And I actually like what he's actually done. Because what he does, he plays two formations. He plays a formation going forward, which is a, a 3 4 2 one, which you quite rightly said. But when we are counter-attacked, he basically goes to a 5 4 one Because if you notice, Mendes, Lang and Sibley drop in and work damn hard. And Knight uh, goes back in with Roberts. Who, by the way, I just think Hayden Roberts looks a very good footballer now. I'm really... He's hit form at the right time and he looks very, very comfortable. Um, I think Cashin has got his mojo back. I think that's a, a big thing. I think Knight's got his mojo back. Bird definitely has got his mojo back and Connor Horihan. And like you said, the more mojo in the team, the more difficult we are to beat. And I think over the last bar two or three performances, I would probably say we've only had four or five players who can justify their wage, should we say, coming off the pitch. But I think this last sort of two or three weeks, we can say that most of them are coming away with six and a half, seven out of tens. And you know, and I know, Jason, Jack, on a on normal days, if you get a majority of players in the upper echelons of six and a half, seven, seven and a half out of ten, you'll win more games than you lose. So I think he's found a blend which works. I like what he's doing. I like the fact that he's now accepting that we can't play flamboyantly as, we, as 
as he always tried, this counter-attacking, quick transition football. It only works when you've got a very fit team. I think he's realised quickly that we haven't got the legs to to justify that. Uh, so I think he's gone. He reminds me very, very much digressing of when Huddersfield got into the Premier League through the playoffs. If you remember, they drew both their last two games, I think, of the season they drew. And then I think both games in the playoffs were nil-nil and they won on penalties. Mm. And I also believe they won at Wembley in the penalties, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think they did. They beat Reading, didn't they, in the final? I think yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think that went to penalties. And you know what? I, sa- I said to my dad, I said, you know what? This reminds me of the Huddersfield uh, season. And you know what? I'm all for it. I'd rather be unbelievably hard to beat than a team that is very exciting with flaws because I think we've he's transitioned the team over a period of four or five weeks. You see what he was doing on Saturday. There was definitely a formation change on defence. It looked solid. Yeah, people are still going to get chances because, like you said, Jason, Curtis made a, a stick in his leg out mistake and nearly cost us. But you know what? I'm going to stick to that. I'm happy. If he plays that formation this Saturday and then the last game of the season and then Touchwood going into the playoffs, which we'll touch on, I'm with you 100%. No team will want to play us because it's a very difficult formation to break down. No, I, I would fully agree. And Jack, we know that this is something that certainly I've mentioned on the podcast. We've talked a lot about over the season is that the, the style of play that Paul Warren has played up until very, very recently was was very basketball-esque it was it was end-to-end you're coming into a business end of the season if you get into the playoffs which obviously we hope we do you are coming up against on average the the best teams of the season we've seen certainly when we went to Plymouth certainly when we went to Barnsley definitely that these teams at home you can't play against them like that They, they will blow you away um and again it this is it. It's a good time, isn't it? For maybe Paul Warren's just realised he has to almost horses for courses. It's not what he wants, but he, again, he realises that he's not going to get what he wants out of this team. He's tried it too many times this year. He's not going to get what he wants playing the way that he wants. So he may as well go to a way that's effective for the players that we've got. And what a time! What a time to do it! Three games before. You know, it, it could be well be, you know, showtime and, and, and a trip to Wembley. Yeah, it's a very effective means to an end, isn't it? To get to get Derby as close to going off as they can. And if it gets us there, then then great. And I know he's already working really hard. The club are working hard on recruitment for the summer. There's lots of meetings going on. And perhaps, you know, come the summer, maybe he he might stick with this and he might just try and strengthen. Well, that might be an opportunity, and some of this will depend on what restrictions the club are under. You know, it might be that he tries to go to, you know, go back to that style of football that he's tried already. But, but yeah, it's it's using what he's got very, very effectively. They've found the best way to put these players together. So someone like Jason Knight, who looked really lost, being stuck out at right wing back now, it uses his work rate really well. And has freed up Nathaniel Mendes Lang, who never looked particularly comfortable defensively. And it's, you know, little things to this just when when I was last on, we spoke about we had with uh, with Gabsos and he pointed out that this team was a kind of high quality, you know, mismatch. 
and didn't fit together. It feels like we found a way that these jigsaw pieces fit together a little bit better now, and it's it's more effective. Even if it's you know not what Paul Wall wants long term, it's what we need short term. No, I fully agree. Um, I mean, I, I I liken it to my job. I can use a screwdriver as a hammer, but it, but it's not a hammer at the end of the day. And and so you know that that's the way that that's the way that that is. I'm going to use that one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the final point on the Burton game before we move on to the final two, Chris, there's something that you've uh, you your eagle eye has spotted um, that who knows might might be just one of the underlining keys to the to the success over the last couple of weeks in in terms of uh, in terms of some of the changes Paul Warren's been making and, and about Derby's bench. Take it away, mate. Oh, thanks, Jason. Yeah, what what it was is that if you look at the bench on Saturday against Burton, you had Dobbin, Barkhausen, Rooney, Smith, McGee, White and Collins. Um, and it was nice actually to look at that bench and go, yep, I can see Dobbin and Collins can come in as a, a plan B. Barkhausen could easily slip into the formation and the system because uh, he's played there at, at a wing back at some point during the season. Smith has played at a wing back at some point during the season. So if uh, Knight would have got injured, Smith would have gone in there. But I don't know if you notice, lads, I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, the substitutions, the last two games, Exeter, he made three substitutions in the latter stage of the game, uh, 80 minutes plus, uh, the last being the 88th minute. And against Burton, uh, he delayed his substitutions to the 80th, 84th and two subs in the last, in the 93rd minute. And I, and I just wonder whether there's been a, all of a sudden, a, a mental change and, a, and an attitude, whereas, guys, I'm leaving you out there until you're, you're empty. And because, you, guys, we spoke about this before in the podcast where substitutions were made uh, reactionally at 60 minutes and we normally had three fresh legs, sets of fresh legs out there on the 60, 61, 62 minute mark and it always seemed to disjoin Derby. Yeah. Uh, obviously, now and then we've made a couple of subs, like Port Vale away, which seems to have done the trick. But in general, I always found that the flow had gone. But I just found that there's been a more consistency and understanding. So I didn't know what your thoughts were with that. Hmm. Yeah, Jack, I'll bring you in on that in, in a minute as well. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's you one nil down changes. They are they go one way or the other, don't they? They make no impact at all, and you end up losing the game, or it's an absolute masterstroke, and they end up getting you something out of the game. I, I do think that it's very very difficult sometimes um, when you one nil up, or you know, even at nil nil. Like you say, or, or you're drawing the game, and you know you're knocking on the, especially if you're knocking on the door, and, and managers make them choices. And Paul Warren, you're quite right, Chris. Paul Warren has definitely been one of those managers this year that goes, we need that extra five percent while we're on top. And I think sometimes that can massively unbalance, not just Derby, it, it, football in general, it, it can massively un- unbalance what's going off. Um. Obviously, I've never played professional football, but you hear the you hear the conversation all the time. It's it's really hard for a player to come into a game and get up to get up to speed of the game as a substitute. And I've always wondered like how that actually is. But obviously, you hear a lot of ex professionals saying it, so it's obviously true. And so, yeah, you, you want that desired effect, but sometimes it can it can really knock, and, and it can go the absolute opposite way. So, yeah. He has done a few things, and I don't know if this is a a, a reactive thing from he's 
he's gone with his tried and tested. And obviously we went through that very tricky patch where, you know, we weren't getting what we, what we wanted. Um, and actually I, I think it's, it's refreshing to see as well that um, a manager who I think we all can say he's, he's quite set in the way that he wants to play. He's quite set in what he wants to do, but he realizes as we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, he, he can see that, that just can't happen. He can't do that at Derby. So it's actually quite refreshing at the moment to see that they're, they're clearly working on things. Um, I think, didn't he say, for, certainly for the Exeter game, this this new turning formation, they practised it for like 45 minutes in training or whatever it might well have been. And it, it did absolute the trick. And then obviously had four or five days at it. And it, again, eventually got us over the line on, on Saturday against Burton. So yeah, I think I think praise credit credit where credit's due on it. I think praise where praise is due on it. And anything at the moment that's going to give us that, you know, that extra five percent, ten percent, whatever it may, may well be, um is we're, we're at that end of the season where that's what we need. That, that a, a master stroke like that um doesn't always come off, but if it does and that's the difference between us winning on Saturday and getting into the playoffs, winning a, winning the playoff game, winning the, winning the playoff final, whatever it may well be. They're, they're the things that are going to be t- they're going to be spoken about. And yeah, it's 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 an interesting point you bring up, Chris. It really is, and it's it's one that there's there's clearly something behind it because it, because it is making a difference. But Jack, I'll, I'll let you come in and and have a have a word on that point as well yourself, mate. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to that Exeter game, for example, with the late subs, what that did as well was, you know, we have we have the goals and it allowed us to only, you know, we only needed that extra 5% to come from the bench late on, which gave us that extra energy as well. So if you think about those three subs, simply went off for Smith, who, you know, that changed the shape slightly and it shored up that midfield as we were holding on. Likewise, Dobbin and Collins coming on with just a couple of minutes of normal time to play, replacing McGoldrick and Mendes Lang. It was fresh legs pressed from the front and it helped the whole team, you know, kept the energy up. And that, again, to be able to do that that late on in the game is something that we haven't been able to do because they've made the changes on 60 minutes and perhaps some of that as well. You know, if they, again, if they'd have done that, Exeter, it could have simply disrupted the momentum and it could all have, you know, it could all have gone. They stuck with it and they got the second goal. Of course, the risk is that, and this is, you know, this is always the risk. The risk is that if they'd have sat there, you know, not done anything and it stayed at one 0 we hadn't found the second goal, then we'd all bit, we'd all be sat here now going, why didn't he make the subs? Of course, that's you know, that's always the way these things are. But that's, but it did. It paid off, and I think that's. That's key. I mean, I know Paul Warren wants, you know, he wants players who are going to work hard. And that's his, you know, his main thing with recruitment. His first thing is getting the right people in who are going to work really hard for the team. Mm. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. You see, what what I'll say, guys, quickly, is that if you go back to the Bristol Rovers game, which is a calamity, he made five substitutions quite, you know, uh, there was Barkhausen came on, um, uh, Fozzie came uh, on, didn't he, for Barkhouse at 59, and then Dobbin 
at 66 and Harvey White at 65 and Bird at 66 and then Davis at 74. And it was chaos. Mm. And it yeah. caused absolute pandemonium in the Derby team for the last 25 minutes. Yeah. And I just thought that was, the, I think that's the last time you'll see it, guys. I think you'll see now mm. guys out there for 80 plus, unless there's a major um, issue when we're two or three nil down and we go Hail Mary. I just think you'll see now consistency up to the 80th minute mark from now to the end of the season. No, I, I think you're spot on with that, Chris. And, and a point I was going to, j- just the final bit on this before we move on to Portsmouth, you, I put back, you're right. And to be honest with you, it was always around the 60th minute mark. And I think nine times out of 10, we'd have been able to predict the changes that he was going to make. They were already pre-planned before the game at 60 minutes. He's going to come off. We, we, we swap both the wingers. We're going to swap the striker. That's the way that it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. And then there'd always be another. Obviously, then you'd give it 10 minutes, see what the game was going like. And then, and then obviously you'd react to it. It seems like you say those five changes. It's odd that it doesn't have the effect, but we see it so many times that it doesn't. And actually it makes a situation worse. Derby could not get to grips with that game on Saturday after they scored. I don't know what it was. I liken it a bit similar to the, obviously the Plymouth game. We went one nil up. They made the change in the second half and Derby couldn't cope with it. Um, and it was again, plain for a lot to see. I think from a fan's perspective, why isn't thing, why aren't things changing? Um, and it does seem a little bit that Paul is, he's now, he's, <sighs> I know he's obviously he's a great man. He's a very good manager, and I don't want to do him a disservice in what I'm about to say. But it's it's about reacting to the situation that's going on, rather than listening to the stats and going at 68 minutes, Nathaniel Mendes Lang will be gassing out. We have to change it. It's there's a, there's a little bit more to it, um, and I, I, like you say, I think you can only praise it. it because it's clearly made a difference from when we look at three, four weeks ago, where we were saying the, this team looks knackered. It looks absolutely shattered. Something wasn't quite right. Um, you turn to Mendes Lang on, on Saturday, whilst he wasn't at the forefront of absolutely everything, um, it was 75, 80 minutes where he looked like he'd given everything, not at 60 minutes. And that 20 minute period in a game is, is, is a, is a big period in, in a football match. Certainly when, when scores are tight, that 60 to 80 can, can, can be a massive, massive thing. A coach gets that tweak, right. Gets something right in that, that can change the course of the game. It's really interesting to say that Jason, because again, with my coach's hat on, one thing you'll notice about Derby against Burton, and uh, it's my last mention of this, is that they played a lot of possession football. They, they almost went back to a Liam Senior-style football where the back four were playing it across the, the the back. And it was almost as if we were refreshing the fuel tank for a minute or two because previous games, we've been doing that diagonal for Mendes Lang to chase and chase and chase and chase. And ultimately, the guy's into his 30s now and his legs can only withstand so much. But I just thought Derby played a very sensible game, whereas they allowed themselves to refresh bodies 
and allow forwards to get their breath back before they went again. And I quite like it. I quite like this patient football that he's got. And it happened at Exeter as well. We held on to the ball far more possession-wise than the poor Warren era prior was doing. So, yeah, I agree with you, Jason. All, all for it. Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, the, the Bristol Rovers one, uh, for me, I say we, I, we didn't get to grips in that. Every time we got hold of the ball, we didn't look to make a pass. We just looked to lump it forward to try and relieve the pressure. But the problem was because we were so deep, it was just, it was, we were repelling it. It was coming back every single time. And we see it up and down the country. Even the best teams, they, they can't shut out for that long. It's, it's not the way that it is. So yeah, maybe again, just learning, getting the right message over. They obviously realized it was a bit of an issue. We seem to have responded as a team. We seem to have responded to that instruction quite well. And as I say, any any at this certainly at this stage of the season, anything that's going to give you that that step apart, step above everybody else, is is hopefully only only going to be a benefit. Um, right. So final few bits and pieces. I say we'll, we'll mention um, we, we're, we're going to talk Portsmouth in what is now a, a huge game at Pride Park on, on Saturday before there's a couple of off-the-field things to uh, to end the pod with. Um, listening to... I did listen last night, Chris, uh, to your chat with Ed on... I uh, listened to it this morning on my way to work. And obviously was mentioning that by the looks of it, we're, we, well, we surpassed um, the t- ticket sales for the Oxford game opening game of the season. So... We know Portsmouth always travel well, even though they've got nothing to play for. We know that they're they're pretty well well supported. Um, so it's going to be an absolute ding dong of a game on on Saturday from a fans' perspective. And obviously, at the weekend, Portsmouth's playoff hopes were were dashed. Uh, Jack, I'll come to you first. What's what what do you think? The game, you know, what do you think Portsmouth's mindset's going to be coming coming into this one? Um, they've not really, whilst we've looked at them from afar, but I think that's mainly because the bit of a dip in form that Derby were on, so we were looking over our shoulder more than anything. Um, what 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 are you expecting from Portsmouth on Saturday? And do we think this is a game that? Obviously, Derby are hopefully going to go into it uh, full of confidence. But is this one that we need to be still weary of, or or, or do we think that maybe this has it, that you know that they are the typical phrase they're going to be on the beach, and as long as Derby apply themselves on Saturday, then they should comfortably come away from with with it with three points, which is obviously exactly what we want. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd be silly to go into it banking on them being on the beach and ignoring any sort of threat. I mean, you look at their form, they've not lost since the 11th of March when they lost at home to Sheffield Wednesday. In that time, to be fair, they've had, you know, almost all of the teams they've played have been bottom half teams. But yeah, you know, they're they're a solid side. If we go back month or two, well, you know, month, six weeks, we were looking at this. I remember speaking to Corey about this. We were sat looking at the fixtures and as we were having a bit of a slump and they were kind of in the conversation playoffs just about as we were looking over our shoulders, we were looking at this going, if we if things go badly, this could be a key game. We're in a fortunate position where it's not. Um, obviously, it's going to be a massive crowd and 
you know, that's that can play a part. That can help to get us over the line. But obviously it can also, you know, be a, a risk with the occasion getting into players' heads. So in that sense, if there's any risk of that, then that's where the experienced heads come in again. But I think I think if we play as we have done the last few games, I think we'll be all right. But but yeah, don't don't count them out because they're a decent side. Mm. And they're you know, any team is going to want to finish as, as high as possible at this point in the season. Yeah, no, I, I I can get where you're coming from. And I think, yeah, they had a change in manager, didn't they, um, around the turn of the year? And then since then, they've been, I think I think they have been probably one of the one of the form sides. Um, they have, yeah. I, I remember, Chris, I remember weeks and weeks ago, in fact, even at the start of the season, to be honest with you, I know we probably were hoping that Derby would do what they've done this season rather than expect it. But you looked at that final three, Burton at home, which is a big game because Derby's record against Burton more than anything. Not, I'm not leaning on the side of it being, a, I know it is a local Derby, but I don't look at it as it in that way. But it's more of a, over the last few years, Burton have had Derby's number on several occasions. So it was always going to be one of those tricky ones. And then a final two of, of Portsmouth, a, a top-end side in League One over the last few years, and, and Sheffield Wednesday, who you fully expected to be in and around the mix as well. Um, it has boiled down to that. Um, we've got past Burton. Portsmouth next. I say their, their season is now over. But I still think from a side that they're obviously going to look at the second half of the season they've had and, and see that as a productive season, obviously going to the summer and hopefully build and, and mount another challenge next year, which they've done over the last few years. They're still going to want to come and upset the apple cart, aren't they? I, you know, if it was a Forest, no disrespect, but maybe even a Bristol Rovers at home or something like that, it'd be a, it'd be a completely different fixture for me. I think a, a known big hitter in League One as they've been over the years, they've got the opportunity to upset the apple as they upset the apple cart and because it's the name derby county they'd be quite happy to come and to come and spoil derby's day wouldn't they and at the end of the day we know we've got two bites of the cherry at it don't want to have to go to Hillsborough. by the looks of things it could well be a dress rehearsal for for the for the playoffs um but it's we could only take care of our own business of course but how nice would it be on Saturday at, at, at five o'clock on, on Saturday? We know we're in the playoffs. We can treat that game at, at Hillsborough as a bit of a a bit of a warm-up, if you will, or try maybe try something out or whatever we may well do. Um but we've got to be weary of Portsmouth. We've we've had teams we've had lesser teams in all respect. We've had lesser teams come to Pride Park over the last few months. Derby may well not have given them the respect that they deserved, and they and they've blown us away. Fleetwood comes to mind as being a, a perfect example of that. Yeah, I think the one thing I'll take from the Portsmouth game and their form is they've only scored five goals in the last six games. And like Jack said, if you actually look at the teams that they played against, um, you can look at it thinking. I think they got a draw with Forest Green for. I think that was. 1-1 back in, in March and they've had some not exactly eventful games since. Um, I don't think they'll come necessarily on, on, on the beach, although I, I did say yesterday I'd like to think that they will be on the beach. I think Portsmouth will look at ne- next season now. Um, I don't think they'll come gun ho at Derby and try and get a, 
uh, and a last way date uh, fantastic victory because I think they'll be picked off. And I think the last thing they want to do is their fans with a 500-mile round trip get absolutely stuffed three or four nil by, um, at the moment, a, a team with, with their confidence back. I think I'll take I'll take the same performance, guys, as I got on Burton, as I told you. You know, I, I'm quite happy to see the same formation. I'm quite happy to see the same defensive setup. And I'm quite happy to see a gritty, determined performance to get us a 1-0. Um, going back to the, the point about will it go to the last game of the season, um, I just think that there'll be... Um, I think Peterborough will be very, very nervous on Saturday because they are the go-out guns blazing because they're also two goals behind, remember now. The goal difference has swung in our favour. So even if they get a win and we get a draw on Saturday... You know, they're going to have to win three none to to be ahead of us. And I just don't think that that will happen against Bristol Rovers. And I think Jerry Barton, for all his pitfalls, I don't think he will want a fourth defeat on the bounce. So uh, I think uh, our friend Jerry Barton may well do us a favour. Yeah, we've got to sort out our own office, haven't we? But I just think that um, I'm not worried about Portsmouth. I was more worried about Burton. Because you look, you look at their form, you look at the teams that they've played, I thought, oh, here we go. And like you said, Jason, they we've never beat them in the league, have we? I think, if I remember rightly. I so, so. We, we got that hoodoo off. Whereas Portsmouth, who knows what they'll bring. I just I just want a gritty performance uh, that's game-managed very sensibly. I think, hopefully, the result, obviously, for Peterborough is going to be around Pryor Park, isn't it? People are going to be whispering. That if there's a goal that occurs there, it's gonna. I just hope that that doesn't affect the players. Mm. And we've all seen that in the past, where where teams have got deflated by results away from them or got motivated. So let's hope they concentrate on just a game performance and a one nil. I'll take a one nil, guys. Yeah, no, no, I, I fully agree. But we're not going to mention Sheffield Wednesday too much, as I say. We know it's on the horizon, but there's another podcast next week about for that, so we won't touch on that. A final point sort of debate five minutes for for me on playoffs. Obviously the Bolton game last night mentioned it earlier in the pod. Um you know the fifth in the league and they lose at home to Accrington. I mean it's it's a it's a crazy set of circumstances um which opens the door now really um for I know they've still got two on paper relatively easy games. I'm sure they'd have thought Accrington at home was a relatively easy game. It turned out to not be. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate with us all, chaps. Um, Two weeks ago, we thought if we were to get anywhere near the playoffs, it was going to be third. And obviously, we were going to get the team that whoever missed out of the automatic promotion. And we thought it was probably going to be Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Jack, I'll come to you first. In, In an ideal world, if we could pick who would you and and this I'm I'm I know there's lots of permutations on what I'm about to say, but the, the top three finishes, well, the top four finishes they are, Derby, we can choose finish fifth or sixth. Who you, who would you rather be facing in these playoffs? Are, are you looking at Shefford Wednesday, or would you rather would you rather us finish fifth and and, uh, and face Barnsley? I mean, you, if we were looking at it purely from the you know, where do you want us to finish? You want to finish as high in the league as you can. But if we're looking at this tactically and saying, what's going to be, uh, you know, what again, just whom are Derby going to have a better chance? 
I would, you know, on paper, looking at, I mean, I know Barnsley lost last night to, to Ipswich, but they've had a much, you know, they've had a better time of it as late, as far as I can see. They're not as, they're not going to be as down as, as Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, Wednesday, from what, I'm going to go one way or the other. It's much like the conversations that are going to be held about Notts County going into the National League playoffs, I think, where they've done so well for so long. They've fallen away and finally picked themselves up to go into the playoffs and do well. Derby, if we get into playoffs, we're coming into it on, you know, with a little bit of momentum behind us. And on that basis, looking at the at Sheffield Wednesday and Barnsley, who's less likely to have that? I'd imagine it's probably Wednesday. And that's hmm. that's my logic. But I, you know, there's so many ways of looking at it. Oh, good. You know, absolutely. Absolute. No, there, there is. There is. Um, for me, Chris, obviously, I'm going to let you have, have your opinion. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast um, when the automatic race looked a lot closer than it does currently. And, you know, we, we were talking Plymouth in the playoffs. We were talking Ipswich in the playoffs, potentially. And would we want that 300, 400 mile round trip when we could just be just up the road against Sheffield Wednesday? And, uh, by the looks of it, let's face it, we are, we are, I think, now at the point where we're, it's going to be Sheffield Wednesday or Barnsley. The way that I look at it is a way that we kind of spoke about Derby and the experience a little bit earlier on. I'd rather have Sheffield Wednesday over two games rather than a one-game shootout because of the experience that they've got in, in a in a final scenario, if, if it got to that. Um, so for me, I would rather us finish sixth and play Sheffield Wednesday, who are hopefully going to be slightly off par and you can get past them. And I would... God, I'm going to say something that might come back to bite me. I would, I would expect Derby to have a better chance of beating either Barnsley or Bolton over a one-game shootout than over two legs. And I think if I'm going to stick my neck on the line, I think Bolton are all out of all sort of form. And I think Barnsley, if they play Bolton, would, would sweep them aside. Um, but I, so I'm, I would say that I'd fancy Derby's chances more in a one game shootout against Barnsley in a playoff final than against Sheffield Wednesday in a playoff final. In, in, in my personal opinion, um, the floor is yours, Chris. What's, what's your opinions on the, on the race for the playoffs? Uh, with you, hundred um, percent. I spoke to my my, my late granddad was a Barnsley fan. Uh, it was from Grimthorpe, so I have family members who are, are Barnsley followers and, and friends as such. And they said last night they played their normal gun ho attacking sweeping football, and they got picked off by a very good Ipswich team. My, my concern playing Barnsley is: have we got the energy to sustain? a team that is an out-and-out, youthful attacking system. They do play gun-ho football, do Barnsley, and they, they get away with it more times than not. With Darren Moore, what you get is structure. And I just think that we are better at playing against structure because they're more like-for-like than a team you'll ever face in, in the league. Yeah, And I just think with the form that we're in at the moment and the confidence that we have, and we've almost found our... We're almost, in a way, re-energised. There seem to be a... Uh, a fitness level raised uh, this last week. The, the, the guys 
looked fitter. And but I think that's because the way they are playing, they're not being blown out, as we've said previously. Mm. So yep, yeah, I'll take. I th- I I don't think that Bolton are there or thereabouts yet. Like you said, I think they're going to be looking over their shoulders. They've got a tough game against Fleetwood this weekend, and you never know what you get with Fleetwood. Um, I had a feeling Ackerton would beat them because Ackerton are fighting for their lives. If they'd have lost last night, they'd been pretty much out of it. But I'm going to go Sheffield Wednesday. I agree with you because it's a 45 minute journey there and back. Although saying that Barnes are the same. I think their form is 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 not good. I think Darren Moore can't, can't play another system that he's got now. He's got a very similar issue with us, with a squad that's very limited of what you can actually do with them in formation. Whereas Barnsley, I think, as they proved when they beat us 4-1, we just couldn't keep up with their energy. Yeah. Dif- different, though, when you go to Wembley, because the pitch is renowned to be slower, as yeah. we saw against our last visit there against Villa. It's a very slow pitch at Wembley. It's a bigger pitch and I think Barnsley would not get away with it. So I agree with you. Mm. I'd go for Barnsley in the final on a shootout all day long. Yeah. Now, I, I would. And uh, the final quick point on it before we move on to matters off the field for the final five of the pod. Um, obviously, it's been confirmed now, the dates. Uh, we're used to having Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, fr- Friday, Wednesday, or whatever it is. Um, both League One playoff semi-finals this year, Chris. They're, one's on a Friday night. Uh, currently, if we finish sixth, the home game will be on a Friday night. If we finish fifth, the home game's on the Saturday. And then you've got a full week before the away leg. Is that going to have a say in the way that, dependent on whoever we get, it, do you think that has any any say into it? Does a momentum win in the home leg sort of disappear over those seven days? Uh, and again, like again, a, a two-leg against Barnsley, because there's a week's difference, does that does that favour or would you prefer it where in previous years we've had only a, a three, four game break and then you, you're back at it again? Especially with, if it is Sheffield Wednesday, of course, we play them the last game of the season and then we play them, what, three times in three weeks. Do you think the way that they've set them out for League One this year makes any difference? Um, My only concern I have, guys, is David McGoldrick is the only name you've got on the score sheet, I believe, in the last... Seven goals. Six or seven. Scored? I think. Yeah, Six I think it seven. is. Yeah, yeah. James Collins' that's... penalty um, at Forest Green was the last other goal yeah. scorer, wasn't it? So, Darren Moore is very astute, and I, and I think if he, I think he'll go to nullify McGoldrick. I, I'm not too worried about the time. It certainly helps our aging legs. Absolutely, gives us an extra week to 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 energize them. But Sheffield Wednesday's team is an aging squad. They've got Bannon. Gregory, they're all, you know, just to name two, they're in the 30s. I just think they'll go to nullify McGoldrick and we need to find a, a plan B. We need to find someone. We need to get Collins, who's been on the bench recently, the confidence to score a goal. We need Jason Knight to finish obvious chances. So we do need someone to step up and that's my only concern. Are Sheffield Wednesday looking at us already themselves and thinking, right, do we double up on McGoldrick? And if we take him out of the game, our derby done. So that's my only concern. Mm. Jack, do you think, it, let, let's put it that as it stands, we, we'd face Sheffield Wednesday. Um, how much does that final league game, if neither team have got anything to play for on the final game, how much of that final game has an impact on, on that playoffs? Is it, we play the under 13s and 
and and say because at the end of the day the under 18s and under 21s aren't much better at the moment are they so um you know yeah. what what would we do if that if that is the scenario come five o'clock on saturday after portsmouth we know the destiny of everything um how much of a i know it's funny how the, how the fixtures have fell but how much does that final game matter um in in the build up to again playing them twice in the space of another seven days yeah, it starts to become very psychological, doesn't it? It's the mind games around what do you do if you change something up completely because you think that's going to favour you against Wednesday. Do you want do you want to test that out first on the final day or do you want to bring a surprise on them in the playoffs? You've got all of these things. I mean, going back to the the time thing as well, because I did I don't know if you saw, I did some I basically went, What's the saddest way I can spend three hours? And I did some analysis of Derby's age structure. Only Sheffield Wednesday have a higher average age, their squad, in, in League One this season. The difference is that Derby have no outfield players aged 23 to 28, two goalkeepers aged 27, Tom Barkhausen's 29. The rest are under 23 or, or over 30. Sheffield Wednesday have eight players who are 28, one that's 29, and that's that's about their average age at 28.7 compared to Derby's 27.2. Now that's because they've, as I say, they've got players in that prime sort of period of that 23 to 28, whereas Derby is either very young or very experienced. And for those very experienced players, that recovery time could be huge, could be huge for us. Um, but, but yeah, so that, I think that probably favours us. But it again, you've got more time in between the games to analyse the first leg analyze what's happened also time to that final day before the playoffs start to to analyze things and it will it's going to become very tactical and i think very much about mentality and mind games as well potentially but mm. um I'll, I'll also just mention now as we're talking about seasons finishing uh derby women's team by the way they finished their season at home to west brom at, at Mickleover on on sunday uh they're their fourth, that's guaranteed, nothing to play for there. But yeah, that's their last game of the season. And we'll, when we do our season roundup in a few weeks, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a few weeks away if we've got playoffs, then we'll, then we'll bring some more there. But, uh, they had a 3-3 draw against Huddersfield on Sunday. And yeah, West, West Brom to come and that'll be their season. West Brom have a former Derby manager in Jenny Sugarman, who's, uh, I know very well, a good friend of mine. She's a great coach. So yeah, yes. it'll be an interesting game. Well, you're right, yeah. Jason. You're right, Jason, about the... I forgot about that. If we go into the final game with nothing to play for, do both teams play their under-13s? That's a really mm. good point. And will the league be looking at that closely? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it, it, it is a, it's an interesting one. But I'd love to know when that last happened. Jack, there's your own work for this week, if, if it's ever Brilliant. happened before. Um and I think, well, we've seen it in playoffs before when it's already been wrapped up. I, I vaguely rem- I remember one clear as day a few years ago. We played Preston the final game of the season at Pride Park. I think we beat them 3-1. Went into the playoffs and we got absolutely tonked because we just, it's not the same intensity. It's not the same energy level. It's not, um, and I'm not saying we want an absolute, you know, I, I'm not saying we want to throw it away on Saturday and have to go and get and have, have an absolute grueler at Illsborough to, to make the playoffs. But, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. But that's for another conversation. That's for next week. Um, final three, two minutes of the podcast. I just want to finally mention, obviously, I know it was an, it was announced last night. They had the awards dinner. Um, as as a podcast, we've announced our players of the season. 
Um, absolute stonewaller, I think, in all fairness. There's a couple of people that came close, um, but from from our podcast, and I know Derby County has, has won it as well, it, it's, it has to be David McGoldrick. Um, I don't think there was too many others. Joe Waldsmith, I think, probably pushed it close. And I think really up till January, Mendes Lang was massively in a shout. But in all fairness, since January, he has been a little bit hit and miss. So congratulations to Didzy for getting the Rams Review Player of the Year for the first team. Um, young Player of the Year, we had to go with um, Erin Cashin. He's been he's been pretty pretty solid all all season. There was a bit of a a bit of a lull, but you know he has been more reliable than not. Um, and somebody you mentioned earlier, Chris, I, I put this to Corey and um, uh, about Hayden Roberts. I, I think he's he's really has come on. And if we have a chance to sign him in the summer, get him absolutely get him. I think I think he could play that wing back role really well in a, in a poor worn side. Um, and obviously, also the women, Amy Sims, friend of the podcast, has been absolutely electric for the for the Derby women this season. Uh, from what was a, a defensive player last season to going up front and and breaking, uh, scoring all sorts of goals. Absolute congratulations to Amy as well. There are picks for players of the season um, from the Ramsrew podcast. We are vastly running out, so I'm going to say bye to everybody. I'm sorry you can't all jump in on that. We got carried away with playoff chat. We were going to have a little bit more about that. But uh, my thanks go out to Chris. Chris, absolute thank you for lending your time again from uh, from the Rams Writer podcast. Chris Holt, thank you very much, mate. Always a pleasure, Jason. Thank you very much. All the best, Jack, as well. Jack, as always, thank you very much for joining me, mate. No, thank you. That's, that's been good. Well, you know, hopefully have more than more than one to go. Hopefully some playoffs as well. Oh, fingers crossed. Not had a playoff run since we've been doing a podcast, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, absolutely. Next, next pod could be a huge one. We could be talking about all sorts. We'll wait and see. Destiny's in our hands, and that's what's important. From everybody here at Rams Review HQ, thanks for listening and up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the ramps.